0: Hi everyone, welcome to Beauty and the Brain, the podcast about all things aesthetics. You ask and we are answering your questions today. We did a poll on our Instagram and overwhelmingly, the majority of you answered that you wanted to hear about actionable tips, or things that we could tell you that you could go out and do right away. So today we're gonna do just that. We're gonna talk about all things that you can do for your skin and incorporate into your anti-aging routine at any age.
1: I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. I'm Jerry Drinkard, Family Nurse Practitioner, and we're joined today by Allie Ballou. Allie's a part of our team at Skin & Tonic.
2: Hey, I'm one of the nurse practitioners at Skin and & Tonic, and I'm excited to be here today to talk to you guys about some tips and tricks that we practice in our everyday lives and encourage our clients to practice in their everyday lives um, to help prevent the aging that we also desperately try to avoid.
0: Let's talk about differences maybe that we see between our younger and our older patients and obviously the skincare care uh, concerns change as we age. So what is it that we see? I mean, we're just di- different generations here on this panel. So Allie, you're the baby of the group. So, yes. you know, your age group has a lot of different concerns than people uh, in our age group. So, so let's talk a little bit about the differences. Tell us what you see.
2: So I think a lot of our older clients are concerned with, you know, their issues with laxity, wrinkles, you know, things like that. And then the younger generation is more concerned with, you know, what areas they can put more volume into, whether it's their lips, their cheeks, or if they're struggling with acne, then they're going to be way more on top of their skincare game. I think than people who are genetically blessed to not have to struggle with acne and things like that. So
1: I also think, um, social media, we have probably the most educated young generation coming up that is ever existed. And so especially your generation, you know, you guys have had access to social media now for years and we didn't have that. We had access to our moms who were laying out on the beach and baby oil and iodine. How do you feel that social media has impacted what you've done with your skin?
2: I think it's great because I think, you know, you can go, well, it's twofold, I guess. You know, it's great because you can go on there and see, you know, what's worked for other people, product reviews. I'm a sucker for a product review TikTok. I know what I use for my skincare. I'm not changing it because it works for me and I will sit there and watch it for hours regardless. And so I think it's great that people, you know, are open with their skincare routines, open about, you know, what products they use, what makeup they use, um, what treatments they're getting. I think that's a big thing too, because a lot, it used to be more taboo than it is now. Now people are saying, yeah, I get my lips done. Yeah. I've gotten filler here. Yeah. I get Botox and I'm 23 years old and I don't care if you think I should or not. I want it and I got it. And I think, That's great that people are owning up to that now, and it's not like, oh yeah, I'm just blessed, and then you're comparing yourself to all of these people who are getting all these procedures done and things, and you're like, why don't I look like that? Well, you just have to go to a med spa.
0: (laughs) So, Jerry, what do you think? um, Particularly living in our area, uh, the uh, the environmental factors are that impact our skin health and skin aging.
1: I would say number one, being sun exposure. I think that that's that's probably something that in the South, we we all battle. Um. And as a male, I'll say that I think we're probably less likely also to wear um, some protectant than females, because most most makeup lines now have you know have sun some protectant in there. Um, as males, we do have to take that extra step and have that initiative. And so, just the, by by nature of of who we are, I don't think it was or for who I am, it was not part of me growing up. I didn't wear sunscreen to start with because I was so concerned about having acne prone skin. That's a whole different beast in its own, but I felt like anything that I put on was gonna cause me to have a breakout or a flare up of acne. I'm still very aware of it today. I mean I've you know, I'm near fifty and I still have like skin that I have to take care of because if not, I'll have a flare up. So you're a little more fortunate but as far as the acne goes, but what about your um your environmental exposures?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I think uh, clearly when we talk to our patients about environmental exposures, there are a lot of things. So uh, sun being one of the big factors. So we know that photo damage and UV damage is definitely one of the big factors in aging. And um, I really don't change my recommendation on age range for sun protection. So to me, it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or in your 70s, I'm still recommending sun protection and UV protection, a daily sunscreen. In addition to, even if it's in your makeup, yeah, I think you're exactly right. There's a little more compliance with um, some of our females because they will put usually some sort of, uh, you know, uh, or a lot of them use some sort of makeup product that may have a little bit in it. We still recommend um, a a sunscreen uh, in addition uh, to that. But for our males, many of them are not putting anything on their face. So, for sure, that's been something that I've changed as I've gotten older. I'm much more aware of that. And I do use a daily um, a, a sunscreen product every day on my face, regardless if I'm going you know, to the beach or not. And I think that's a, a, another misconception or myth is that you only have to wear this when you're going out to in the sun. But even just routine things, in the, especially in, in, in Florida, going to the grocery store, going uh, out to run errands, we get sun exposure. Other environmental things that um, I uh, actually counsel patients on and talk to them about are gonna be smoking. So we know that that um, uh, decreases your collagen production. It decreases your neovascularization. So your skin tone, your uh, skin texture, is uh, in addition to all the other harmful uh, chemicals that can be found in cigarette smoke. So we definitely encourage smoking cessation. And then also uh, diet and lifestyle things such as exercise habits. And so in general, if we want our collagen production to be high. We got to uh, provide the nutrients that's going to be the starting process of all that. So a diet that is healthy, uh, high in vitamin uh, C usually will help support healthy collagen production. Although I don't always follow my own advice on that end, I do encourage a healthy diet. You, you guys know that my, uh, my diet consists of chicken tenders and and chicken tenders.
1: (laughs) And and one point that we haven't talked about is hydration and how important it is for for skin health and for um, skin cell turnover. And and talking about skin cell turnover, I think that kind of leads us into to another part of of skincare regimen, and not just some protectant, but as we age, we have to do something to to increase our skin cell turnover because it doesn't happen as frequently. And injured and injured skin cells don't turn over as rapid as healthy skin cells. That's where our cosmeceuticals come into play, and our exfoliants, and and even treatments that we do at the clinic, such as our abrasion and you know microneedling and those sort of things. So, how do you feel that that impacts your your skin? Skincare regimen, what do you do as far as those t- sort of treatments?
2: God, I love a hydrofacial. Um, Lindsay did one on me a week or so ago, and I've had so many compliments on my skin. I'm like, I don't know why I don't just do this more. But as far as skincare, um, I have a pretty consistent skincare routine. I cleanse, exfoliate, tone. Moisturize. Um, I have a moisturizer that I love that actually is scientifically proven to stimulate more collagen production, protect your collagen. I think all of those are really important steps for your skincare, no matter if you're, you know, younger, older, middle-aged, whatever the case. Having a good skincare regimen can change your skin, and I think I was a skeptic of it. Like when I didn't work in this field of medicine, I would buy cheap stuff from Target, whatever, and use it on my face. Uh, After I started working at Skin & Tonic, I had been using the, um, we carry a lot of Zio skincare um, at our clinic, and I had started using um, some stuff that the rep had given me. And I'd used it for maybe two weeks. And I had somebody at work in the ICU come up to me and say, Allie, your skin looks different. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, Okay, I feel good about this now. Like, I believe it, it works. Um, And I didn't wear any makeup when I worked in the hospital. So it's always good to hear that what you're doing is working. And so I think there can't be enough said about medical grade skincare and just having that foundation. And especially, you know, if you're going to invest in aesthetics and invest in your face, you know, protecting that with you to skincare
1: It really is like insurance for for what we do you know and so um for because most of the people that we see we also they also do other treatments whether injectables such as botox or f- fillers or or lasers or the neogen plasma or whatever the cosmeceutical really is a, like an insurance to protect the investment that you've made in your face but i agree with you it almost feels like a sales pitch you know and it does. And, and chris and i are, are really really bad sales people but Um, But it it makes you feel a little bit pushy when you're like, you really need this. If you're going to spend, you know, 500 bucks on Botox, you really should do something to protect it. So we're we're trying. We're getting better at that part of it.
2: I just thought of a question um, for either of you because I've been asked this actually pretty frequently recently in the clinic. What are y'all's thoughts on... um people like putting collagen powders in their coffees every day or in their waters this is like a really big push thing right now is like oral gi collagen
0: you guys know that i'm uh really big into like basically your your inner beauty is going to be reflected on your skin and so it all starts with the inside so the gut and the gi tract being one of the largest um you know, organ systems in our body, a largest part of the immune system in our body. And so when we have uh, dysfunction in the GI tract and uh, dysbiosis, that is gonna be reflected in a lot of things. So uh, not just things like joint pain, fatigue, brain fog, et cetera, but it's gonna be reflected in our skin. We're not gonna have that healthy glow. We're not gonna have that healthy appearing skin that we all so desire to have. So I do think that uh, healthy skin starts with our GI tract and what we ingest now. In terms of drinking collagen and putting it in beverages and trying to have that translate to collagen production in your skin, um, I, I don't think there's much um, you know, strong science on that. I shouldn't say there's none, but there's not a lot of strong science. There is some information out there that talks about improving your GI tract lining and helping maybe with the leaky gut, maybe helping with vitamin absorption. So definitely we see some benefits from it, but it may not be a direct correlation with drinking collagen and having increased collagen in our skin. It's like we're helping our GI tract to remain healthy so we can absorb the other vitamins and nutrients that, that we're ingesting to kind of optimize our health overall. And, you know, it's an interesting topic and uh, I'm glad to bring it up. I think we can do a whole probably podcast episode on that. Um, So for those of you who are kind of listening, if you're interested in that, go ahead and and shoot us a message. If we get enough requests, we'll do a whole thing on GI health and how that uh, impacts your skin. Because I, I do think that's something that we hear a lot of right now. And certainly people that are taking collagen supplements that feel better um, you know, I think that they're convinced that it, it works, but as of right now, you know, the science is um, not so strong to say that we can ingest it and have it translate to improve collagen in our
1: skin.
2: I always say, can't hurt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think the, the best collagen stimulation comes from a mild injury to the skin. There are several different ways to do that. Patients ask what we do, and so quarterly, I try to do something collagen stimulating. There's an array of things you can do from as mild as a microdermabrasion or um, a microneedling or a chemical pill or one of the the energy devices, you know, a, a Neogen or a Neo or an era. we have a radio frequency microneedling. There are so many options out there, but I really think if you're looking for collagen stimulation, you have to have nutrition to, to support it. You have to have uh, some sort of injury to the skin to promote it, and then a uh, cosmeceutical to support the skin when it starts to regenerate.
0: Yeah, I don't know that you necessarily, you know, I'm going to take a little counter uh, point to that, so I don't know that you necessarily have to injure the skin. I think definitely injury of some sort. So these are controlled injuries that we're doing with all the devices that you just mentioned. So for sure we can uh, create a controlled injury and the healing process create uh, collagen. But we also, um, let's not forget about some of the injectables. And, you know, I guess it's an injury in a sense that we're introducing uh, some sort of foreign body, but in the process of our body dissolving that foreign body, it will stimulate collagen. So, you know, I mean, whether or not you consider that introduction of the foreign body uh, an uh, in injury or not discount that we have a whole category of injectables that are biostimulants to really help with our collagen uh, induction so yeah as jerry said you need nutrition for sure we need good skin care before and after any of the things that we do we can uh, stimulate this really at any age with our energy-based devices. And I think we've uh, focused mostly on our middle-aged to older age clients with those, but we know now that starting with kinda the younger age, we can have some good results. And that's really where I see incorporation of some of our collagen-stimulating injectables more than the laser devices. So I, um, you know, sculpture is a, a, a product that I absolutely love and that um, I love to use uh, that we have in our practice. And, and that's a product that we can inject even starting in the thirties cause we know that the collagen production starts uh, dropping in mid twenties to early thirties. We can even see some decreases in collagen production. And as we get uh, older, it's harder to produce collagen, and we're breaking down our collagen at a faster rate. So, things that we can do to kind of stimulate collagen production and keep that going, even starting at a young age, I think is important. And we forgot that age group for a while with these collagen-stimulating treatments. We did a lot of things to plump and smooth wrinkles with our neurotoxins, but we didn't really think about using collagen-stimulating treatments, and I think we're seeing more of that right now. Um, and, And like I said, I don't want people to be afraid and think they have to have some sort of Injury to get this treatment, there are some things that we can do to introduce other products, or we can do these pretty aggressive lasers and get a really amazing result. If you're older and have more significant um, damage, more uh, deeper wrinkles, deeper pigment, etc.
1: I think anybody that's listened to a single episode of Beauty in the Brain knows that if you were stranded on a desert island, don't we always say that the one thing the one thing that you would have in your bag would be Sculptra? So. <laughs> um that is one thousand percent chris's choice of of, of um, biostimulants that that he would want to have with him so
0: and i do actually i mean in full disclosure i trained uh for, for Galderma, but uh, way before i did that long years before that i've said this and that's been one of my uh, favorite products that we have in the practice so i, I want to be uh <laughs> you know, transparent, but it's it's not because of that. It's what I have in my they're face. Not paying you what, to say that. <laughs> they're not paying me to say that <laughs> at all. I said it for years. I have it in my face. Jerry has it in his my family. Um, most of them have some form of sculpture in their face or their body. So I love it. It's a great product. But my, my point is we can incorporate these things into a lot younger patients than we traditionally thought we would be able to. Um, so let's let's go to that and let's talk about what's the difference. So I do think we've touched on kind of uh, what we would start at a young age. So we've talked about skincare, chemical peels, lasers, and now and injectables. But uh, some of our uh, middle to older age patients, uh, Jerry, what do you think their concerns um, are? And how do you see that shifting from the patient group that we see in their 20s and 30s once they get in their 40s and 50s? What's different in that age
1: group? I think uh, volume deficit is probably one of the primary things we start seeing into the '40s that we didn't see in the '20s and into the '30s. Um, and now we see volume deficit more than ever because of some of the um, the new diet trends that are going, Ozempic face that a lot of people are hearing about. I really think that um, that volume deficits and I also see that the the newer generations, and I say that even being 40 year olds, don't want to look filled. There's a, a whole trend for more natural looking aesthetic than what we've seen in the past. and. Um, you know, even when it, when they venture into the surgical realm of things, people don't want to look done. I think that that's where we pl- we come into play with these collagen-stimulating treatments. And if you start at a young age, then volume deficits aren't near, uh, near as big a struggle as what they are, you know, if you wait. And so my point of view as an injector, that's probably what I'm asked about on a daily is volume deficit and skin laxity.
0: So, uh- Definitely think that's one of the things that we see, and hopefully with more sun protection, we don't see as many things with pigment changes. But Allie, you wanna comment a little bit about how we start struggling with more pigment changes, both reds and browns, once we get into that uh, older age group and the treatment options we have for those pigments.
2: Yeah, definitely. Reds and browns are something that we treat every day, and thankfully, I love our Air Lace Neo laser for that, for people who don't have the downtime, because a lot of people, I mean, they work full-time jobs, they have families, they have things going on, and so they don't have that downtime to risk for something like a neogen, which we would all like love to recommend for that too. But at least there, we do have, you know, several different options and things that we can do to help target those pigments that are unwanted and not have the downtime um, that we associate with a lot of the laser devices. Um, So I really love that treatment. Um, And obviously as we age, you know, pigment just becomes more and more of a struggle for people, I think, uh, especially in Florida.
0: So Jerry, do you think, is there a, a, let's talk about age extremes, is there an age that's too young that you won't treat with the Botox? And is there an upper age limit? Where do you say that, no, you're no longer a candidate for any of the neurotoxins, so Botox does support
1: ZMN? I personally don't treat anyone under the age of 18 with a neurotoxin. And then as far as the maximum of age, age, my treatment definitely changes because those, um, those patients, they have to have some lift. And so using a neurotoxin can relax the muscle to the point that they, they don't have the lift that they need to, to have a, a happy open brow. And so um, that's where as injectors, it's our job to educate the patients because I think a lot of times people just think if you'll put a little Botox here, I look younger. And oftentimes that's not the fact um, or not the case. It can, it can make someone look have a closed eye and look a lot more angry or heavy or masculine for, a for a female. And so, um, but as far as a numerical age, I don't have one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of our happiest patients that we treated for a long time, um, uh, you know, she, she's, uh, died within the last year or so, but she was in her nineties and she just wanted, liked a little bit of Botox in her glabellar complex. We didn't treat her forehead. But uh, she loved the fact that we could, the fact that we could relax that area just slightly and help smooth it. It didn't by no means treat all of her wrinkles, but she felt so good about herself after that. So no, I don't have an upper age limit either. I think it's an individual assessment and looking at the underlying problems and seeing what we can fix with the muscle relaxant versus something that we need to uh, augment or replace volume. And then the younger age limit, I mean, you know, I agree it's not approved for those age groups, especially for aesthetic reasons, but, I would say for other reasons, we may use it in younger age groups. So you can use some of these toxins for things like uh, sweating conditions, hyperhidrosis, if they're excessively sweating and if they have some asymmetry somewhere that we're trying to correct, if they have some sort of injury and that's resulted in some sort of muscle tension or pulling that's a little bit making them uh, asymmetric, then I have made some special considerations on a case by case basis. But in general, we don't treat uh, pediatric patients. And I think we all need to be aware patients that are coming at these really younger and younger ages asking for aesthetic procedures and injectables that maybe that we should be telling them no. Allie, do you have thoughts on that? I was
2: going to say, I have um, a friend of mine that reached out to me recently and she's like, I think she's 24 maybe. And um, she's like, do I need Botox? I'm like, well, I don't know, (laughs) dude, does your movement bother you? Like, you know, what are, what are you getting it for? And she's like, well, all my friends are getting Botox. And that's kind of the bad part of social media is that you are so heavily influenced and you're like, well, she's doing it and she looks great or he's doing it and he looks great. And so I think there is that pressure that's added. Um, But I told her, I'm like, you know, if, if it bothers you when you raise your eyebrows and you have wrinkles, then yes, by all means Come see me. I'll do it for you. But if it doesn't bother you, don't get it just because your friends are getting it. And so I think that's something that the younger generation is going to struggle with, you know. And there's a big debate on is Botox can you is it really preventative? And yeah, it is. But also, I don't think you should get it if you don't have a specific reason to get it. Like don't get it because your friends are getting it.
0: Yes, I think people get a little bit confused on the you know when we talk about preventive Botox and what does that mean or preventive Dysport or Xeomin. So there are a lot of Things that are similar to Botox out there, we use that word kind of synonymously with something that relaxes the muscles. Providers and aesthetic injectors, we know that all that's doing is stopping the muscle movement. And so if a line or a wrinkle is caused by that muscle moving, we can stop the muscle, and it'll kind of keep that wrinkle from getting deeper and that muscle will kind of get smaller and smaller, just like if we quit going to the gym, it kind of atrophies over time. Um, you know, I've had it in my face now for longer than we've been in business, so more than 15 years, and so like the muscle in my forehead is really atrophied, so I can't, get or really small, so I can't get lifting in my brows without some sort of uh, surgical lift. I keep Botox in there, so I love the smooth effect, but I don't have the lift, and so we have to kind of balance that, so when people start getting it, at this really young age for prevention, Yeah, they don't get those lines etched in from the muscles moving for years and years. So the lines aren't kind of etched there, but they're going to have some muscle atrophy, which may result in some other undesirable effects. And I think we just need to educate the patients when they start so young that we may prevent one thing, and call something else so they're aware of it really for the lines that are etched in in years so by the time you get to your 40s 50s 60s and you haven't done any of these things and those lines are kind of there at rest whether you're moving your face or not and you're just looking you know kind of not animated straight ahead and you see those lines etched in uh, the neurotoxins really aren't the best treatment for that that's when we need to start looking at our energy devices and threads and other ways that we can treat those lines are called static lines or lines that don't move. So a lot of options that we have, um, Jerry, do you want to, um, I don't know how you want to wrap this up. Should we just go with Ali, you then me, and let's just say what we would do for each, uh, you know, Let's just start with the generations. We'll let her pick the young generation and what is her, you know, top three things that you would say for somebody in their 20s to 30s.
2: My number one is going to be sunscreen. And whenever you get done rubbing it on your face, rub it on the backs of your hands and your neck too, because your hands and your neck are the first things to age other than your face. That would be my tip number one. Tip number two, don't get Botox or filler because you feel pressure from social media to get it. Um, There's other things that you can do, like microneedling and things that are gonna be uh, anti-aging that you can do with little to no downtime and is gonna make you feel good about yourself. Um, And then third, come back to me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me think of a good three.
1: Okay, Jerry, you will do 30 to 50. Yeah, 30 to 50. I would say um, some protection, I think is important across the board for everyone I think some sort of injectable um, biostimulant starting at age 30, and I think by age 40 to 50, you should be doing some type of collagen stimulation quarterly. That's just the agerism. There's an array of things we've talked about that you can choose from, and so those are my top three. Yeah, so So for me- You're doing 60 to 80-
0: yeah, 50 and above. I'm just like 50 till death, whenever that may uh 50 till death. So for me, it's going to be using a uh, quality uh, skincare line. So something that is a, a medical grade skincare line that's going to give you um, a daily cleanser. Moisturizing is going to be very important because in those age ranges, male or female, we're going to start to experience changes with our hydration in the skin. So something, a good quality skincare moisturizer and a daily sunscreen. So I think we've all covered that. Sunscreen is a big part of that factor number Two is gonna be considering your injectable um, biostimulants. I think they're incredibly important at this age. I really prefer to do more natural augmentation and through the use of our biostimulants, we can maintain a natural natural um, volume and uh, natural appearance throughout your entire life span. And um, you know, number three in those uh, age ranges, we're gonna really need to be addressing pigment changes. So even if you've been great at your sun protection and sunscreen throughout your higher life, at that age range is when we're gonna to need to to start looking at pigment uh, changes because I think uh, we forget about that. But when uh, we look at studies and uh, photos of people with spots on their face, even if we make all their wrinkles smooth, if they still have uneven pigment or pigmented uh, spots, they're gonna appear older than their stated age. So look at therapies, discuss with your uh, aesthetic provider what therapies are available to help even your uh, skin tone.
2: Okay, I got mine. Right. Um, <laughs> um, take your makeup off before bed. I am so bad of, I was so bad about that in college. Girl, take your makeup off. Um, And then don't get in the tanning bed. I think that's something that I think is phasing out a little bit. Um, But there are so many good self-tanners on the market. Just get yourself a good self tanner. You may look green for a little bit, but it's okay. It'll even out. Um,
0: You've actually got me hooked on a self tanner, yeah, so I'm I, I, like I it. have yeah. a self
2: tanner that I love. Don't look at me right now. I'm going home to self tan right after this episode is finished. Um, but there are so many good self tanners out on the on the market now. They don't make you look orange anymore. Um, they don't get on your white sheets. So yeah use a salt tanner.
0: All right. Great. <laughs> love that. Love that. So thank you for joining us today, Allie. Uh, thank you all for listening to another episode of Beauty in the Brain. Uh, keep your questions coming. Again, our episodes are driven by your request and we want to make sure that we are answering all your questions and meeting your needs. We, we thank you uh, so much for listening to us and look forward to uh, talking to you again next week.
1: See you soon.